Mean O'Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again, and I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations, where we unpack our bags and talk about everything that impact us all uh, with the hopes that we could somehow find a way to move forward together. I'd first like to thank uh, all of our listeners from across the country and around the world who take the time to just stop in and listen. Uh, and I always say, as long as you keep listening, me and my guests are going to keep talking. And so this evening, uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Uh, and and you probably said, Kevin, you're always excited. But I got some uh, other feelings going on with the excitement. Um, I'm humbled. Uh, I feel blessed. And I'm honored to have... Christopher N. Williamson, Colonel Christopher N. Williamson of the South Carolina Highway Patrol with us this evening. Welcome, sir. Hey, Kevin, thanks for having me, man. I'm more than happy to be here. And, um, just thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're just going to dive right in. Oh, man, I'm just, I'm just ready to just chop it up. So if you could, Colonel, tell us a little bit about yourself, your, your family, your background, your education, whatever it is you think the listening audience needs to know. All right, Kevin A. I'm so Chris Williamson, as you said, I'm a country boy man from a Darlington County, a little old town, Society Hill, where I graduated from high school, Rosenwald High School, uh, graduated from there in 1981, uh, received a track scholarship uh, to a uh, HBCU or CIAA school, Fayetteville State University. As I went off to Fayetteville State University, uh, majored in uh, political science. Uh, so I love I love politics. I love the political game. So a political science with a minor in police science. Uh, graduated from Fayetteville State in 1985 after four years there. Uh, came back home uh, where married my, my, my high school sweetheart, who is still my wife now after 38 years. Um, Delores, so we, we live here um, and been in South Carolina the entire time. Straight out of college, I came back home to Darlington County after getting married and joined the Darlington County Sheriff Department. Worked there for a couple of years. In 1988, I uh, joined the South Carolina Highway Patrol and have been stationed pretty much all over the state. And at that time, was stationed in Ber uh, Berkeley County, in Monk's Corner area. Uh, currently, man, I have two daughters uh, and I have three grand three grandkids. Uh, two two granddaughters and one grandson uh, have 35 years on the highway patrol and I uh, I have a master's degree in uh, clinical and behavior counseling that I received from Webster University in 2004 so educational background of country country kid uh, my parents had 12 kids and I'm the oldest of those 12. That is awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes for a second and 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 just thank you for not just you, but your family service because I know how it is to be a part of something bigger than you. I know how it is to be in law enforcement, and a lot of times the family members don't get the accolades and the recognition that they should. You know, I remember how my wife you know, had to be the glue to kind of hold it together. You know what I'm saying? So I thank you for your service. I thank your wife for your service, your kids, your grandkids, the whole family, because you know firsthand that if you're in law enforcement without a supportive family, you can't be all the way in. So thank you for that. 
Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. yes, sir. Yes, Kevin. So many times people see, Colonel, what they believe is your glory, right? They what they, you know, what they see, you know, they see the now. Uh, but they don't know your story, right? So in other words, people have no idea what you had to go through, what kind of challenges to get where you are today. So, Colonel, if you would tell us your story and tell us how uh, you became the first African-American colonel and commander of the South Carolina Highway Patrol. Yes, sir. I'd be more than happy to. Let me join the Highway Patrol, as I said, in 1988. And, and I would have to say, you know, upon me joining the Highway Patrol in 1988, there wasn't not only there wasn't many African-Americans that was that were troopers at the time. There definitely wasn't many African-Americans who who were being promoted at the time. So, you know, when I came on the highway patrol, you would hear these stories about, man, you know, it's, you can't get promoted there. It's it's tough. And, uh, uh, you know, they don't care what type of education you have, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, heard the talk about the good old boy system. That's not going to work. But there were a couple of guys, close friends of mine. Uh, Melvin Howard, uh, Dar Kelly, I don't mind calling these guys' names, strong guys, man. We all sat out, four or five of us, and says that, you know, somebody has to put the work in, and one of us are going to be a first. One of us going to be a first. And and I can really say, Kevin, it does. It didn't matter which one of us was going to be that first. We was just striving hard. We were supporting and pulling for each other, and, and, and we worked hard at it. So 1988... For people that don't know, the Highway Patrol in this state, South Carolina, has been in existence since 1930. So uh, April 4th of 1930. So April 4th last month gave us 93 years of existence in the South Carolina Highway Patrol. I worked hard throughout the years, joining in 1988. Uh, Ten years later, in 1998, I, I made corporal. Um, which was kind of unheard of people, you know, you, there were guys then wasn't making corporate until 18, 20 years old. Um, I mean, just, just started moving. I worked hard, proved myself um, and just show people that the dedication, commitment and hard work that it would pay off. You know, the, the main thing you, you got to share here that I did is that saving lives, when you out here saving lives and you conduct the traffic enforcement and save lives, that doesn't have have a color. It doesn't have a color. Everybody's lives matter. You want to save lives on our highways, and you just work hard to reduce those collisions and fatalities on the highways. So if you're working just as hard as anybody else, then why can't you be rewarded the same? So that was our commitment. We work hard towards it. And uh, just, just, you know, my man, uh, Melvin Howard, he worked hard and in, in 2008. You know, he he was the first one uh, promoted to he was the first African-American to be the second in command of the highway patrol, uh, becoming the first African-American lieutenant colonel. So he, he had already set that stride. So we had one more step to make in order to get to the top, having the first African-American colonel. Well, Lieutenant Colonel Howard, he retired in 2009. And, you know, that just led to other things. Uh, I think through my hard work, uh, you know, corporal in 1998, uh, sergeant in 1999 in St. Matthews, Calhoun County, 
2001 made lieutenant went back to Charleston. 2003 made captain over the Orangeburg district. Um, after that, for five and a half years, the captain in Charleston retired, and I had a great familiarization and learned the, the hurricane plan on the I-26 lane reversal, got real, real uh, uh, versatile with that and knew that plan inside out. With everybody knows in the hurricanes here in South Carolina, that's where it all begins, Charleston in reversing the inter lanes on the interstate. So at the colonel at the time, uh, even though I was the captain in, in Orangeburg, when the captain in Charleston retired, that colonel then asked me to go to Charleston to be the, uh, the, the, the troop commander over that district, over the Charleston district um, in June of 2009. I stayed in Charleston for two and a half years. And then fortunately in 2011, I got promoted from captain to, uh, to lieutenant colonel becoming the second in command of the highway patrol. And that's that's a that's an awesome pathway, um, hmm, awesome pathway. Let me let me ask you a personal question, uh, Colonel. Are are you a man of faith? Yes, sir. All right, all right. Yes, sir. Do you do you Fair. feel like during your journey that God kept you? No doubt about it. Um, well, I was I was raised in a a very religious home. Um, if anybody listening know anything about holiness or Pentecostal, <laughs> my father is a holiness preacher. Yeah, it was a holiness preacher. So these things about what what kids do now, and we'll put it this way: um, I really didn't know what beer tastes like until I went off to college. <laughs> you know? So, right, but yeah, that was that. We go to church, stay in church all day, and yeah, and. Then, uh, that's what, but no doubt God kept me. Um, the hard work, man, the prayers, yes. people praying, the people and the family member in the community mm -hmm. around praying for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, somebody saw the good in me and knew that yes. I wanted to do the right thing. And and I do believe that as those prayers uh, goes up and the blessings come down, I believe that there are people in life that God has destined for certain things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really believe that I was I was one of those people, but I mm. and I think that is it is all showing facts and have come true by being yeah. the first. So yeah. you, you just you, you I don't care how smart you are, how hard you work, um, you 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 don't get there on your own without some spiritual beliefs and 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 God leading the way. It's a combination of everything. So, Colonel, you talked about the community and the prayers, and and I can imagine just growing up you know, knowing how sometimes people praying for you and you don't even know, you know, for what them old folks used to say, seen and unseen danger. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so my question to you is, you mentioned that the Highway Patrol came into existence in 1930. You became the first African-American colonel and commander of the South Carolina Highway Patrol in 2017. Does the fact that you are the first in 87 years sometimes feel a little heavy or does it sometimes get a little lonely? Yes, sir, it does. Uh, it feels heavy. It gets a little lonely. I'll tell you, one of the things that, that you know, lays on my mind, I know I know that there's there were several 
African-Americans before me that, that had a whole lot more knowledge of the highway patrol and would do, would have done a better job or just as good a job that I'm doing. But for whatever reasons, you know, those guys were passed over during the times. And, and at, at sometimes, you know, uh, some, somebody got to be the first and we got to stop passing over people um, who, who gives the, the same hard work, commitment and dedication as I laid out. And then and people ought to be judged and, and promoted based on skill set and ability. And, and that's what we look at from there. But, yes, you, you are exactly right. It makes your heart heavy. You looked at well, why did it take 87 years and knowing that you got qualified people um, that, that could have easily, easily done the job. And you know that those people were right there in the running with the others when the job became available. But for some reason, they, they wasn't chosen. So that's why I've made my mindset was that if I ever get in this position, man, hey, I got to stay here. Uh, as long as I possibly can to, to do the things that, that I know is fair and impartial, not just for blacks, but there's probably some people you can't tell that, but, but it has to be done for everybody. All anybody wants is a level playing field and yes. they want to treat it fairly. So my job is to make sure that we have a level playing field and make sure people know that they are not going to be treated in some ways and manners, the way I was treated when I was mm -hmm. coming. Right. So that, that's kind of how I That's real right there. Um, so, you know, what you said about not just being, you know, just being there for blacks is a segue really into the next question. Because the next question is, is, was it hard for you to make people understand that you were there to lift everyone up? Not just one group of people, but everybody, like you alluded to. Uh, and I asked that because I had a strange encounter. I remember when, uh, you know, I became the chief of police for the city of Georgetown. My executive secretary came back one day. She said, chief, somebody's out here to see you. You want me to go get him? And I always wanted to be the chief that was the chief out in the public. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to be the chief behind the desk. I wanted to be the chief that people knew that they feel like they could put their hands on and touch in feel. And so I said, I got it. Go out to the lobby. And Colonel, when I saw this gentleman, my dad passed away in 2009. When I saw this gentleman, he reminded me so much of my dad. This guy was about, my dad was about 5'8", same stature. This gentleman had on a three-piece suit, a white shirt, Man, he was clean, you know what I'm saying? And so I said, sir, come on back. How you doing? I'm Chief Wiz. Come on back. So we go back to the office. We get in my office. And I put my hand out to shake his hand. And he grabbed my hand and he hugged me. I mean, he embraced me. And I was like, we, just, we had a little quick moment. And so pulled up a chair next to him. And I said, well, sir, you know, what's going on? How can I help you? He said, well, listen, first thing I want to tell you is, we're proud. The community is proud. You know, we've never had an African-American police chief before. We're, we're happy. We're elated. We're praying for you. We're pulling for you. Anything you can, uh, you can think of that we can do to make your transition easier, let us know. So I said, thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. But I knew he came. I could tell he came for another reason. And so we started talking about a community event. 
that he wanted to have. He said, hey, I want you to come out and talk to the young people and, and, and motivate them. And, you know, we really want to bring the community together with law enforcement. And Colonel, everything he was saying was on point until he said this. He says, uh, if you can help it, we don't want no white police officers to come to the event. And then when he said that, it was like somebody cut me with a razor. You know what I'm saying? And it, it threw me back, you know, and I, and I kind of dropped my head and I said, well, sir, if that's the kind of community event that you're planning, me and my police department not going to participate. And he, you know, he kind of drew back. He said, well, I said, sir, on one hand, you're talking about bringing a community together. And on the second breath, you're saying you don't want any white police officers to be there. I said, we don't roll like that. I said, we are here for everybody. And if that's the kind of event you're having, I'm sorry, but we can't participate. Man, my heart, my heart was hurt. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so he tried to to bring it back in. He says, no, well, you know what? No, no, we can, we can let him come. I said, sir, no, no. Because at that point, Colonel, even though he was changing his words, I knew where his heart was. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. we couldn't participate. But so I throw that out there and, and just ask you, has it been a challenge for you to get everybody to understand that you're not just there for one group of people? It, it, let me tell you, Kevin, um, uh, it, diversity has always been a large part of me. And I'm t it, you have a diverse community, so you want a diverse police department. You want a diverse highway patrol. Yes, there may be certain communities where a certain race of people only live, but those people don't live on a daily basis and just only see one race of people as they go out into the community, as they go to the grocery stores, as they travel. You you got to prepare people for every walk of life, and that walk of life is to be able to come in contact with any race of people and be able to deal with them, to know how culturally um, everyone from every walk of life ha has been brought up, their, their, their background, and what their intent is. We sometimes don't take the time to get to understand others, and when we, when we learn those people, then we understand them better. And, and if we can see the background that they came from or whatever, we understand them a whole lot better. So, you know, my folks right now, my leadership team, when we are doing something, they know if I if I we put together something and I ask for eight troopers to meet me at this event I, without even speaking, they know it has to be diversity. I'm looking for uh, uh, black males, black females, white males, white females, Hispanic. If we got them, because I want people from all walks of life to see everybody that we have so that every every child that sees this uniform know that they have an opportunity to wear this uniform no matter where they come from, no matter what the race is. And I, uh, another thing, if we are doing something that that shares to the community, let's say I got 10 new cars that I want to put out there and I ask a captain for a trooper to assign to these cars. I'm never going to put something out, let's say, with 10 white males standing beside patrol cars, because all I'm saying is that all I'm looking to hire is white males. 
I'm never going to put something out that just have 10 black males. Because all I'm saying is I'm just looking to hire black males. It has to be a diverse community. I want whites, blacks, Hispanics, females, white females, black females, Hispanic females. And I am I am huge on that. And that's the way it have to be. And let people know that they belong. They can do this job if they want to. And it's our job to bring them along and let them know and give them the confidence that they can do it if this is what they choose to do when they grow up. Yes. Sir. Wow. That's awesome. And that's that's how it should be. Um, what impacts do you believe you've made as it relates to the relationship between the South Carolina Highway Patrol and the community, as well as recruiting and retention? One of the major things, um, man, I've had so many community members uh, uh, from the faith-based uh, civic organizations. People just reach out uh, uh Major like they did, mainly like they did with you in Georgetown, uh, came to me and advised. They're they glad to see me on board, and um, they feel like now they can get troopers in their communities to try to understand. And and, and for the most part, we have, brought, we have brought a lot of communities together. We've gone around one of my pet. We've gone around the entire state and having events where we just talk about community events. Um, let let look young children see who we are as a whole. Now, as people know, more like when you was at Georgetown, hey, y'all get in the community. You are there. You in the city. You in the town. But the highway patrol, we we usually on rural roads. We patrolling the interstates. A lot of times, we don't do those things in the communities as police officers, um, cities, and sheriff departments do. But those that has been a commitment that I've been um, committed to doing. It's making us more visible in the communities, making the community know what the highway patrol really do. And and not only just doing that, educating the communities and getting them to buy into the fact that, you know, uh, 30 to 50 percent of our fatalities that occur on our roadways, they are citizens who have access to a seatbelt but choose not to wear them. That's a good community event is a place to encourage people why it's important to wear seatbelts. So I'm saying if I had a thousand fatalities this year, 50 percent of, of that thousand had access to a seatbelt and did not and chose not to wear it. So that was another 500 people lives. Maybe we could have saved um, that, that if they had just chose to put the seatbelt on, um, just try to get rid of some of the the miscommunications that are out mm -hmm. there and make sure people are on the right track. Um, is it a task? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is a task. But uh, we, 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 as you did several times, we raised our right hand. We took an mm -hmm. oath. That's to save people's life. When we took that oath, it didn't have a color attached to it. It didn't mm -hmm. have an ethnic group attached to it. It didn't have a race or sex or age limit attached to it. It just says save lives. And that's yes. what we do. That's what we do, and that's what we set out to do. I want to make sure every trooper in the state of South Carolina give 110% and be held accountable for saving people's lives on our highways. That's awesome. That's awesome. Colonel, let me ask you this. Uh, in 2017, when you were appointed colonel, did you encounter any, any pushback or resistance that you know of? Uh, 
either formal or informal? And if so, how did you handle it? Well, I'm always be a, a, a professional at what I do. Um, in this, in the law enforcement professional, you know, you, you, you hear talk or, or, or rumors behind the scene, but I could honestly say that I've never, when I made Colonel, of course, you hear the rumors behind the scene, but pe people never confront you to your face, you know, but you hear the rumors behind the scene. But I think when you hear rumors behind the scene, um, we all know when we become leaders, we're going to have critics out there. We're going to have people watching us to see if we make mistakes, what good we do, what bad we do. But as you hear those rumors and you know you have critics, you know, that encourages me to want to do a better job. That encouraged me to work harder. That encouraged me to make sure the people around me is being held accountable so that we, we, we don't have any, any hiccups nowhere along the line. But mm -hmm. yes, um, I tell people all the time, we would be fooling ourselves. Number one, Kevin, you, you, you got people that, that if you think that racism and discrimination does not go on in this state, if you feel like this state is, is <laughs> discrimination free, then you, you just fooling yourself. You, yeah. you understand? Yeah. You just fooling yourself. So you might as well be honest with it. We have people that that's that way. And, and I'm not saying any particular race It's it's, it's all over different sides, but uh, when you know things are like that, then you have to you have to continue to do a great job. You have to make sure people know that every decision you make has nothing to do with color. It has to do with being fair and impartial. And, and yeah. when you making decisions like that, that you know are going to shape people's lives and that are going to save lives, even if you hear rumors and people say things then those things to you shouldn't matter because you know in your heart, just like you said about the guy um, who mm -hmm. came to see you at your office. Yes, he'd already yeah. said he didn't want any white officers there. But then right. when he saw how you reacted as the chief, he backed off of it. Yes. But even though he backed off of it, you already knew what was in his heart. You already knew mm -hmm. what was in his heart. So, you know, even though he backed off of it, that's that's who he was. One quick yeah. example. This is what I tell people. When I get new recruits in on the highway patrol, and I just talked to 27 of them last week, just graduated 27 last week. This is what I tell people. We have to be fair and impartial. You can't go out here and be biased when you're enforcing the laws. Just mm -hmm. because you wear a gun and a badge, you're no more than anybody else, and that gun and the badge does not give you the power to mistreat people. But here's what you have to realize. My point taken is this, the majority of what you do when it comes to enforcing the laws on our highways has to do with your upbringing, mm -hmm. has to do with your upbringing and what you was taught and what was in your heart as you came up based on what your parents and the community taught you. That's why it's so important to be deeply rooted in the community and, and, and family values. And here's my point. Well taken. Uh, on an average, a person live with their parents through high school until they're 17 or 18 mm -hmm. years old. They are there every day. They go off to college. College takes four years. In those four years, a person may graduate from college at 22 years old. So you've pretty much been under your family um, home up until 22 mm -hmm. years old. 
just so happened you graduated from college at age 22. Now you decide you want to be a state trooper. You come to patrol school. Guess what? For the purpose of this conversation, patrol school itself, along with the academy, is 22 weeks long. So you're 22 years old when you leave college. I hire you as a trooper. You go to patrol school for 22 weeks. This is my question to everybody sitting in that classroom. If you was raised in a home that taught you that your race was better than any other race and you mistreated people and that's what your family and parents taught you for 22 years and that's what you believe, after you graduated from college and become a trooper, you think 22 weeks of training to become a trooper is going to remove what's been instilled in you for 22 years. It's not. It's not. So guess what? Those 22 years as to what has been instilled in you, it's going to affect your decision making when you're out on the road dealing yes. with people who people, who somebody hasn't put in your head that that race was less than Absolutely. your race. So you have to you have to remove that. So that's what I remind people of every day. And until you are free of that, then you 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 you're not making the best choices that you need to make when it comes to being uh, unbiased and out here enforcing laws equitably uh, and, and impartially and fairly. Yeah, well, I, I swear, you know that that's awesome to hear that from you because, you know, we need to have. I think sometimes we are in in some organizations, we are afraid to have those conversations. You know what I'm saying? And, but we got we got to have them. We got to have them because. The responsibility that you have, and I know, is you home in bed at night sleeping, you know what I'm saying, if you're lucky enough to be home, you know, but yet you're still responsible for what people are doing, you know what I'm saying? And so you have to, you have to instill that we, we as, as organizations, whether it be law enforcement, government, or whatever, we have to continue to have those conversations. You said it early in this conversation tonight. When people talk, they get a better understanding of each other. And that's one of the, the most important reasons I created this platform, just for different people to be able to come on and talk. So I, I, I definitely uh, appreciate you for that and lift you up in prayer, uh, to, you know, just to continue to have the strength and the wisdom to keep, keep pushing forward uh, from that posture. When I was a police chief, I had an aha moment. And, and my aha moment was, and when I say aha when I knew that God wanted me to be in a certain place at a certain time, I knew it. If, if I had questioned it before this, this moment made me understand, you know, prior to going to the city to Georgetown, I was the uh, interim police chief at the Orange County police department. So I took the George job in Georgetown. People thought I was crazy. Why do you want to do that? You over here in Horry County, one of the biggest counties in the state of South Carolina. What you want to go back to Georgetown for? You know, they tried to make it about money. I said, nah, it ain't about money. I knew, you know, what my heart was telling me, uh, where the Lord was guiding me. And I made the decision to go to the city of Georgetown and never regretted it because it was it was the right decision. So George Floyd was murdered. And, and, and like, you know, there was there was civil unrest across the country. Right. Close by, you know, Nate, you know, and some some in the state of South Carolina. So just like any other law enforcement leader across the country during that time. I'm awake at night. 
I'm laying in the bed and I'm looking at the clock. I'm looking at the ceiling. Um, I'm wondering and worrying about if we're going to have peaceful protests or protests at all in our community. And we did. We had two. We had one small one and then we had a larger uh, uh, march where there was about 5,000 people. And I remember the morning we were briefing, we had, you know, SLED was here, state police, probation. We had support. And uh, and we were we were in the briefing, about to hit the street. And one of the young officers says, I said, hey, all right, we got all the information we need. You got your operational packets. Does anybody have any questions? Are all hearts clear? And one of my young officers said, Chief, I'm going to keep it real with you. I don't understand why people are marching here. That's what I don't understand. I don't get it. And Colonel, I'm telling you, for me, that was my aha moment. I knew right then that God put me on assignment to be there for that day. And I was so glad that, that, that this gentleman had enough courage to say how he was feeling. And I told him, I said, well, listen, good question. And I'm glad you brought it up because I know you're not the only one that that feels that way. So thank you for asking the question. Uh, I said, but understand this. George Floyd was murdered in everybody's living room. If you saw it, you were traumatized. If you're not traumatized or wasn't traumatized, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And so across this country, across this globe, people are traumatized in every community. And through peaceful protests, people have the right to express themselves. And this is a part of the healing process. You know, and I said, not to call any names, I said, but we have an opportunity something bad happened, something dark happened, but we have an opportunity to go out today and be a light and shine a positive light on this industry. And we went out that day and not one bottle broke. The community came together. We all marched together and it was truly a beautiful day. But I knew that I, without a shadow of a doubt, I was supposed to be there for that. Have you had a similar moment where you, it was like, aha, okay, Lord, you got a sense of humor. I got it. Have you had a moment like that? Man, Kevin, me and you must must be blood brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, almost a similar situation. Uh, We were at the state house and lining people up, uh, getting ready for the briefing. And we asked, did anybody have questions? And it was a couple of troopers walked up to me and they was like, well, well, Colonel, we don't understand why, why we have to be here. And, and why, well, one guy said, why we have to be here. This thing happened way out, no way close to here. So some like what you did explain to him. Then there was one guy was like, you know, uh, this may have been the second day of the, of the protest back to back. One of the troopers was like, you know, Half of the things, I met some nice people, and half of the things that, the majority of the things that they are telling us why they are mad at, we we mm. agree with them. We agree with the public. So I don't have it in front of him, but you can look it up. It's on YouTube right now by, the, by me, the South Carolina Highway Patrol. 
we created what we call the we mm -hmm. agree. And what we did, I went around to churches, I went around to mm -hmm. communities, and I let everybody know. In this profession, everybody see law enforcement when bad things happen. They, they are quick to tell you what we disagree, what needs mm -hmm. to be fixed. You understand? But nobody, if we sit down and talk with people in common terms, in common sense, we agree on more than we Absolutely. disagree on. But nobody, nobody takes the time to discuss those things that we agree on. So we started the We Agree mm -hmm. movement, and we went around churches. We, we, we put it out there, um, uh, sent out press release, let people know what church we were going to be at. We got the pastors involved. And, man, we go to churches, and they would be packed. Yeah. We would give them an opportunity just like we're doing now. Just just ask yeah. questions. You know, and sometimes um, that's why we are mm -hmm. leaders, because we, 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 have to, we have to allow people to ask us the tough yeah. questions. We may not appreciate it, but we, we, we are the leaders because we, pay, we get paid to be put in hot right. water in and, and, and different, different scenarios where we can lead the organization mm -hmm. and we can lead the We want the people to see that because if something catastrophic happens, we want them to know that they got great leaders who, who can lead them through yeah. whatever. So not only when a situation like this happened in the law enforcement profession, but any anything that may occur. So the We Agree mo movement on behalf of the South Carolina Highway Patrol all came about because of questions that were being asked by troopers that really didn't understand why they was there. And then another trooper who was just explaining it, man, these people concerns, if I didn't have this uniform on, I'll probably be on that yeah. side because I agree with the thing that right. they're saying. I agree with what they're fighting for. But but how do we let them know that we agree? Because when we are out here working, our job is just to keep mm -hmm. the peace. We we, we can't join right. in with them. So yeah. this was our message in them know how we agreed and what we agreed on as we started the We Agree movement and went around the state doing this. Yeah. I mean, upstate, mid-state, lower state, we did it all yeah. over, Kevin. And I'll tell yeah. you, it got, a, it got a lot of attention and we reached a lot of citizens. Yes, sir. And that's so awesome, man, because when things happen, especially crisis, right? I don't care what it is. People want to hear from their leaders. They may not ask you, but they want to know where you stand, right? And if something happened and you don't speak to it, right? We 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 talk about our brands for our organization, and, and, and you know you know what the brand of the Highway Patrol is and what you want that brand to represent. If we don't take the initiative as leaders to uh, control the narrative as best we can in a positive way, or focus on what our define what our brand is, somebody else will. You know what I'm saying? And 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 when somebody else does it, it's gonna be contrary to what we really think it is. So that's awesome, man, that y'all y'all really stepped it up and and pushed that uh, we agree program out there because people do want to hear from their leaders when things happen. They really do. So, Colonel, if you were speaking at a conference next week and you were addressing colonels of highway patrols from each state across the country. How would you help them understand the connection between a diverse law enforcement organization and a positive relationship with the community? 
Just did it, Kevin, two weeks ago, <laughs> right outside of uh, D.C. in the uh, Arlington, Virginia area. Um, we had the, the uh, IACP Colonel's Conference, and, and each colonel had to uh, to speak. So in, in, in having them to understand about the relationship and the connection in a diverse community, first of all, I shared with them that that I'm not the colonel just for a certain race, that I'm the colonel for the entire South Carolina Highway Patrol. It's my job to make sure that every, starting with our employees, that every employee within the Highway Patrol organization is treated fairly and equitably, and nobody should feel like they are being uh, discriminated against because of their race or their sex, regardless of what that may be. A continuation of that has to move on to the citizens. The citizens has to feel the same way. So we do that through, uh, you know, PSAs, educate the public, letting them know, uh, I mean, every chance we get, how much we value them. So there are three words that we use heavily, Kevin, heavily. And these three words stand strong, not only for employees, but they stand strong for citizens also, because everybody want a part of these three words. Everyone there is, employees and citizens. They want to be valued, they want to be respected, and they want to be heard. And if you can provide all three of those things to an individual, now it doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but if you let a, a, an individual, you let them know that they are valued, you are valued as a citizen because we want your life to be saved as you get out here and enforce these, we enforce these laws and you drive these vehicles. So we value you. We value your thoughts. We value what you think. We, we value your suggestions and recommendations and the things that you can tell us to help save lives. Because just because we are law enforcement officers don't mean we know it all. We respect you. We respect your values and your thoughts. So we're not, we're not going to come into your community and disrespect you. We, we, we respect you and you tell us what make you feel disrespected. We want, we want to hear from you. And if you tell me things that we are doing to make you feel disrespected, then it's my job as the leader of the highway patrol to make sure that my troopers are not doing anything to disrespect you or your community. Because we realize that if as you feel, as you feel that you're receiving respect, then you're going to give that respect in return and we're going to have less problems when we when we make traffic stops or when we uh, enforce the laws or whatever. Then the last thing, we want you to be heard. We want every employee to be heard. We want every citizen to be heard. And we feel like those three words is 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 the connection between a disconnected law enforcement agency and any any diverse community. We feel like if we can do that, then we bridge yeah. the gap. Wow. Those are some heavy words. Uh, valued, respected, and heard. And I, I remember I had a conversation uh, with someone uh, when a couple years ago where, you know, everybody was across the country talking about police reform and defund the police. And somebody said, Kevin, you know, the industry as a whole, you're looking at policies, right? duty to intervene policies and different different policies, right? To, to address the gaps and make things better and to, to really hold people account, accountable and give other officers the confidence that they could step forward and do what's right. 
But they said, in addition to that, what else can law enforcement do? What else can the industry do? And your three words lined up with my one word, right? My one word was, we can do a better job of listening, of listening. Because guess what? If we listen, if we do a better job of listening, we make people feel valued, right? If we do a better job of listening, we make people feel respected. And if we listen, people are heard. You know what I'm saying? And and people, I'm telling you, people miss it. You know, and 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 we can always do better, right? You know, and, and we're in a tough spot because when you get that call, we gotta go. Right? We're used to getting there and, and we got to fix things. You know what I'm saying? We 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 high and tighten our uniforms, our cars clean, we know what needs to be done. You know what I'm saying? But Sometimes we forget to listen and sometimes we assume what the community needs and we don't ask. You know what I'm saying? So, man, that's some powerful words, valued, respected uh, and heard. Now, Colonel, man, we've been chopping up. I'm having a good time and we I'm going to let you off the hook soon. We almost done. But I want to I want to touch on, uh, you know, it's, it's my understanding that in the past, at one point, you were injured in the line of duty. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to bring it up and, and see if you want to talk about it, just to let people know, you know, how you made it through that critical incident. What what did the drive that pushed you? Because we didn't talk about it. You know what I'm saying? We didn't talk about it. But I just want to hear from you you know, what happened and how you made it through the situation to, you know, to stay focused and, 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 and level up and be where you are today. Well, I tell you, man, with, you know, without going into mm-hmm. many details, you know, it's the, when, when you have things that, that, that happen to you, um, uh, you, you just have to keep mm-hmm. fighting and you have to bounce. Mm-hmm. Back. And, uh, I, I think through the process, you you said it earlier. I think everybody knows what's what's meant mm-hmm. for them, and you get feeling that listen, that there may be critical things that may happen, and have you questioning whether you want to do a certain job or not. If you still want to be here or staying in that line of work, but you know, I go back to what my my parents taught me. You know, one of the things in life you got to be happy doing what you do you want to be happy doing what and if 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 that if that job brings about more happiness uh than than it do uh Mm -hmm. bad times and what you really want to do and it's in your heart and you feel like it is what god has led you to do then you stick with yeah yeah so you know i I uh, I stuck with it. It's, it's it's been great. I tell you, man. I I can't ask for a better thirty five yeah. years. Um, and that's thirty five years with the highway yeah. patrol. I really have thirty seven years in law enforcement with my time with the uh, with the sheriff department. You know, so I you know I got more time behind me than I do All in right. front of me. Right. But I tell you what, law enforcement profession has been a great profession. I don't have any complaints about it. And I don't know if I would change too much because everything that I heard is is what shaped me to be in the position that I'm in today. 
So all of those things that occurred was occurred was learning lessons for me. And they are lessons and testimonies that I can share with someone else to pass on to them to help to hopefully help them be a better law enforcement officer or to be a better person just in life, regardless of whatever they may choose to do in life. So uh, I'll tell you, man, life has its lessons. Um, if you learn them and respect them and obey them along mm. the way and then make change as you go about, I think you'll be the best person you can be with guidance from God and, and, and knowing that whatever profession it is, that's the direction that you would want to take as an Amen. individual. Amen. It's all about walking in your purpose, bro. We made it to the finish line. We've made it to the finish line. And, and, and I'm going to ask you one more question. Yeah. And that question is, what would you say to a woman or people of color who, for whatever reason, didn't in the past or still don't believe today that they can have a career with the South Carolina Highway Patrol? First of all, hey, I would sit them down and look them in the eyes and just, just tell them, if you feel that way, hey, first I want to know what make you feel that way. Uh, and but be, regardless of what make you feel that way, I think I would get a better insight on what you're telling me. But one thing that I'm proud of, Kevin, is that I don't just have to tell people; <laughs> they can just look at me as a living example, just just as a living example. And you're not talking with talking to someone who, when people say God take an individual just come out of nowhere, someone that no expected you you're not talking with somebody who had a who went to you know uh, the, the best college uh you know you're talking to a, a plain individual that just came old country boy put put forth mm -hmm. hard work dedication and commitment came from just a, 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 a actually a normal background of a poor farm family but worked hard and was committed so if I can make it, there's no doubt in my mind the next person yeah. can. You can't tell me that you can't make it, but it has to be what you mm -hmm. want. You can't let other people discourage you from anything. Do you think at any time, at any point within my 35-year career on the highway patrol that I wasn't told that I wasn't going to get a promotion or that I wasn't going to be somewhere or that I wasn't going to get something? That inspired me to work harder. You know, when they was that night, I was I was in the book studying. When everybody else was trying to get off early, I was working late. When they was trying to, I was coming in early. Yeah. You know, those yeah. things you have to uh, 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 volunteering for mm -hmm. specials assignments. Just you you want to show people that you have what yes. it takes, and that if you give, I'm not asking you to give me a promotion. What I'm asking you is to give me the same opportunity that you give everybody else. And I can show you through my skills and abilities that I can do the job that anybody else can do. So I would encourage people of color. I would encourage uh, black females or, or any man or woman of color, if they have any doubts about becoming a South Carolina state trooper, they, they can put that behind them. I'm looking to recruit. We are looking yeah. to recruit as a whole anybody who, who, who cuts it and meets the the line that wants to be a trooper. Hey, I'll stand by, call me tomorrow, and, and we'll start the process if you want to put an application in. All you got to do is, is is meet the proper guidelines, 
color has nothing to do with it. You meet the proper guidelines, and I'll assure you, we will hire you as a trooper right. if you meet them. Amen. Well, Colonel, we crossed the finish line. Hey, I, I, you know, have you enjoyed the conversation? Man, I enjoyed it so much, man. Hey, I love it. Then, if that's the case, would you come back? Okay. Tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I I really appreciate you taking time. I know you're busy. You know, I know there's a high demand on you, and and uh, just the fact that you you stopped by just to break bread and fellowship with me for a little while and and, and chop it up really means a lot. So I pray your strength. You know, and and if there's anything that I could ever do. Uh, you know, to be of assistance to you, please, please let me know. Uh, so thank you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You're quite welcome, Kevin. And same here on behalf of the men and women of the South Carolina Highway Patrol. Uh, we, we always here for you, the community, anything that's a positive message and getting our message to the public and letting the public know what the Highway Patrol is all about. Thank you. All right. All right. So listen, everybody, thank you for listening. You've heard another episode of Safe Conversations. And I always tell you, just because it's called safe, don't mean it's soft. We really talk about things that impact us all again with the hopes that we could somehow move forward together. So until next time, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.